Welcome in to episode number 21. I can't believe that we are at this point with the House of L podcast, but we are definitely here, and I appreciate you being a part of it. My name is Lawrence Holmes, and I am excited to bring you this week's podcast because it is someone that people have been asking me about since the podcast began. When are you going to do a a sit-down with Charles Tillman? I'd love to hear you and Charles unplugged. Well, you are going to get your wish this week. By the way, this episode of the podcast being brought to you by our fine friends at Melly Cafe. You can go check out Melly Cafe. Go have breakfast over there. They're really good. It's a fun place. They've got beautiful decor, and the food is terrific. They have three locations for you. Grand and Wells, you can go there, have a breakfast or lunch meeting. The old school one right in Greektown on the corner of Jackson and Halstead, they just uh, put out, they tweeted out uh, cherry pancakes over the weekend and just looked absolutely delicious. Or you can go to Dearborn and Congress and have breakfast, lunch, or dinner over there. Uh, shout out to the Chicago Wolves. They have uh, jumped on the podcast uh, for our Bears pods that we do every week, but I wanted to show them some love on here as well as they celebrate their 25th anniversary and you can get your tickets at chicagowolves.com it's a great time i am at some point going to put together an outing with podcast listeners and we're going to go and hang out at a wolves game and it's going to be fun and i heard at the end of december they're going to have a superhero night and you know i'm down with that for real for real okay so here i want to give you some of the background on this Initially, what I had planned, Charles has a charity event coming up, and we'll talk about it throughout the podcast. And You should go to charlestillman.org to see what Charles is up to because you could win sweet tickets. And I don't mean S-W-E-E-T. I mean, like, you can be in the suite at Soldier Field with Charles for the game against the Lions. But you got to go to charlestillman.org and find out about his Whirly Ball event, and that's the way that, that you can find yourself going. But what initially would happen was is I was planning on interviewing Charles and I was going to do two versions of the interview where it one would air on the score and the rest would be House of L. Like we would break it up. Last Friday, I was supposed to have a show that was on from six until nine. And Lance Briggs and I were supposed to go out to Elgin and Lance was going to be on the show from seven until eight thirty. And I was going to run a big portion of the Charles interview in the six o'clock hour. But the Cubs at the game in Washington, they got the day game moved to a night game, which meant that my show on Friday was only 30 minutes long. So I said, okay, now I can just run the whole thing in House of L. Because we talk about the first game of the season and Khalil Mack and Aaron Rodgers and all sorts of stuff. And I wanted to share that with everybody. So I want to give everyone an opportunity to hear the whole thing. But as per usual, it is a lot of fun and Charles flips the script on me at the end of this. He interviews me at the end of it, which I was not expecting at all. So I'm not going to make you wait any longer. We gave props to Melly Cafe. We gave props to the Chicago Wolves. Here's my sit down with Charles Tillman. And as you can tell, if you're looking at the length of this week's podcast, can I start here? Can I? Can we talk about Sunday Night Football and, and your boy Aaron Rodgers? Sure. 
What what was what was that? What what happened? That was Aaron Rodgers at his great. You know what makes Aaron Rodgers such a great quarterback? He doesn't get rattled. He was just calm and cool as the other side of the pillow. Nothing can shake that man. He was just he was calm. He was in the zone. He 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 was having fun. He was relaxed. He showed poise. That's that's what you want in a quarterback, and that's what he did. I like it. I, as much as people hate the man, I, hey, he's worth every penny, just like Khalil Mack, worth every penny. It was a great performance by both supreme athletes. I'll great, get to, I'll get to Khalil Mack in a minute because I do want to ask you about the way that he played because that was amazing. But was was Aaron Rodgers one of your favorite guys to go up against because he was so good, or one of the guys you're like, man, this dude again? I don't want to have to face him again. No, it was. I think you get excited to to go against a guy of his caliber, a guy like that. I particularly like to think that I was a really good cornerback when I played. And to level how to measure how good I was, it was always nice to know that you're going against the other best, the best of the best. And I think competition, it brings out the best in us. It brings out the best in people. If you and somebody else, give me, give me, give me, give me some competition. Give me one of your coworkers. Uh, Jason Goff. Jason Goff. Okay. If if your boss was like, hey, Lawrence. Between you and Jason, whoever gets the most ratings on their show, they're going to get a 15% bonus at the end of the year. I guarantee you're going to do your best <laughs> to beat Jason and have the best ratings for your show, right? It's something about competition that brings out the best in people, whether it be sports, whether it's your job, whether it's fishing, whether, well, what teaching, whatever it is. It, it makes you better, and I... I like to go against the best to see how good I am, and I like going against Aaron Rodgers. You know, I won some, I lost some. I didn't win all of them, but I feel like I won a significant amount. I think I did okay, and I think he is a highly skilled competitor who loves to compete, who loves to go against the best, and we saw that Sunday with what he did. Talking with Charles Tillman here on The Score, he's got an event at Whirly Ball on September 25th. It's going to be 6 to 10 p.m., the address is 1825 West Webster. Very easy to get to in Lincoln Park. A team of five is going to play whirly ball and laser tag and bowling. Team with the most points out of all three events wins tickets to the suite with you. Oh, November yeah. 11th against the Lions, huh? Yeah, it's going to be a good one. So come out, support a great cause. Go to charlestonman.org if y'all want to come out with your boy. We're going to sit in the suite. We'll have a beer. We'll talk football. We'll talk sports. We'll have a good time. See, the thing is, is that I suspect that you'll you won't even be talking football with those people. You'll be asking them what they do for a living and talking about that. You know what? You're probably right. I feel like everybody has a story. Everybody knows my story. My story is so damn boring. It's and not I boring. I want to hear everybody else's story. So what? that's why. I, particularly if you know me and you get to know me, I don't talk about football all the time. I rarely ever talk about football. So I want to hear your story. But I will say, Lawrence, I've been, I've been watching more football than I have in a long time. Why? I don't know. I'm kind of missing the game now. Really? You're at that point now where you, your body is all healed up and you're like, I could still play. 
I didn't say that. I'm not T.O. now. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying. Now, if, 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 if Mr. Pace wants to get me one of them game checks, I'll, I, 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 you know, dust off the cobwebs and see what I can do. Now I don't know, Lawrence. I'm I'm still kind of I'm still kind of tight now, right now. You know, what I'm saying I still got my I'm about two fifteen, still lean. I'm I, I I still got it now. You still got it. I mean, well, I th- think about this. Now. How would you feel about playing corner with a pass rusher like Khalil Mack out there? Oh my goodness, I wouldn't have to do nothing but cover for three seconds. I still think I can cover for three seconds if if I have that guy uh, on the line. Did you see how? How when when Aaron Rodgers got back in the game, they changed her. Everything was quick. You know, he was, you know, dropped back, rolling. You know, Aaron Rodgers, I think he has the most touchdowns outside of the uh, – out, since 2008, outside of the pocket, he has the most touchdowns. And then, you know, he gets injured, he comes back in second half. Everything was pretty pretty short. You know, they, they were – he was trying to get – he was trying to get rid of that ball nice and quick because they didn't want that t- – they ain't want Khalil Mack to get a hold of that ass. I mean, but <laughs> you can say ass on the score. That's fine. Uh, but but I was just amazed because I I tell you, if you draw it up and you say, okay, Khalil Mack is going to come in and he's going to have a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, an interception, a touchdown, and a sack, you, you wouldn't believe it. You would go, no, that's 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 ridiculous for one guy to have in his first game after no training camp. And all he did was just go out there and in the first half just terrorize the Packers. Dominate. I'm sure whoever the right tackle was, or yeah, I'm sure whoever the right tackle was, there was just he might have sharded when when Khalil Mack came in the game. I'm pretty sure he sharded when Khalil Mack came. And then after he gave up the sack, he he actually did the full package. He crapped himself. Was like, bang. For sure he did. And I'm sure his mom and dad and everybody else is like, oh, crap. He's going against our son. This is going to be terrible. Oh, you know, they had that, that Eeyore sound. It's like, oh, God, here we go. He's going he's gonna to bull rush our son. He's going to get the sack. Oh, he did it. Guaranteed that's what his parents were thinking. And, and Brian Bulaga is a local kid. He, he grew up watching you play football. Oh, man. Sorry, Brian. But Khalil Mack is just an awesome – He's an amazing football player. I think Belaga held his own though, because they still won the game. They did win the game. Was there a point? Because I was obviously I was sitting there watching with Lance, Alex, and Matt, and we all kind of had this horrible feeling that things were going to go sideways. Was there a point where you were watching like, uh oh, this is bad? Yeah. Um, when they came back the second half and they played not to lose. I, I, I think you know. Don't get me wrong, Coach Nagy's a He's a he's a rookie coach himself, and if they would have came out the second half like they did the first half, I think they were just conservative in the second half, and they 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 weren't attacking the Packers like they had been in the beginning of the game, and they played not to lose, in my opinion. Oh well, it's frustrating because it, there was a lot of exciting moments for the offense in the first half, and it looked so fun and. And, and Mitchell Trubisky looked, bless you, looked really confident, and and then in the second half, that confidence seemed to kind of go away. Well, it just really goes to show how I don't want to say powerful, but what kind of player Aaron Rodgers is. He elevates everybody else around him. Notice how 
Cobb and Devontae Adams and all the other receivers, they started to pick up their game. You know, he and, and that's that's all Aaron Rodgers. They weren't doing that with the backup QB. Deshaun Kaiser. Like, oh, oh God. We got a backup. Here we go. We've we've lost the game. I'm pretty sure their their body language was was saying, Yeah, we lost. This is as soon as they put him in, it's just even the old line, they're like, Yeah, this is bad. This is we lost this game. As soon as Aaron Rodgers come back in, everyone's blocking well. Everyone's running great routes. I mean, he's just that player. He gives everyone that confidence. Can we go back to to you missing football a little bit? Okay, sure. Do you think it's because of the routine? Like now that you're like in your post football life, like you're like, oh, okay, I'm out of the football routine, and then you see the football routine play out without you. If I can play dime store psychologist for a second. Okay, sure. Since you're in school, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Masters D, Mr. Mr. Joe College. Uh, yeah, I think that's the first thing. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I have a new routine now, but I think the football routine, you're just in the locker room, you go to special teams, and after, you, know, you have a, a special teams meeting and team meetings and defensive meetings and position meetings and you eat lunch and you practice. Yeah, I miss that routine. But I, th- I think with, with most guys, they'll say they, they miss it two, three years once they're retired. Yeah, and it's not like you, it's, you're not one of these guys who walks away from the game and then doesn't have stuff to do. Like, you have stuff to do. You got four damn kids, Charles. Yeah, I do. I'm just I'm I'm listening to you and I'm I'm listening to Jackie. She's you're going to get the kids. You want me to get the kids? You're going to get Tiana. You get both kids. Okay. Yeah. All right. See. See. Yeah. I, kid duty. You have a lot of kids. Soccer, soccer seasons right now, man. I I know. How's your daughter doing in soccer? You mean daughters doing oh, in soccer? I thought I just Plural? I thought the oldest was playing. I didn't know that that there were multiple soccer players. Oh man, I got full Pele's. Really? Yeah, I got full Pele's. All my kids do soccer. My kids do they, they do hip hop. They do uh, horseback riding. My oldest plays the guitar, or as I say, the guitar. Uh, what else? My son, he's one belt away from being a black belt. So, oh yeah, man, they're these little jokers are busy. Can't is, will you let your son play football? Sure, he plays flag football right now. How about tackle? Yeah, he can play tackle when he gets older, probably eighth grade. I didn't start playing tackle football until eighth grade. Here's the thing that I noticed about tackle football with, with, with the Pop Warner kids. It doesn't help them any – it doesn't help them become better football players. I think at the age that they're in now, when you're – my son's nine. So when you're – Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Having all that equipment on, I don't think it really does anything for you. Whether you're a big kid, a small kid, a tall kid, a fast kid, whatever. I think flag football allows you to really focus on knowing your body, how to cut, how to plant, how to move, how to shift, how to plant your weight, how to really learn what the game is about. The movement, you're learning that when – when you're in the flag football phase, I think my opinion, I'm not a genius or anything like that. I'm just a, you know, a GED kind of kid. So that's just what I think. But what do I know? Well, at this point, it worked out for me. It did. And I was going to say that you would, 
honestly, if we were being truthful, you would be con- you would be brought onto a panel as an expert on football. Like that is your expertise is yeah, football. I am a subject matter expert. Yes, sir, you are right. So, we were in testifying I am a subject matter expert. Correct. So, so it's it's getting your opinion on this I think is important because there are a lot of there are a lot of parents that are trying to figure out like where do they draw the line with letting their their sons and daughters in some cases play football? And I think that that 8th grade freshman year high school is a pretty good dividing line and considering that you went on to to have a great career and you didn't start playing until later I, I think is a is a positive for someone who's on the fence about whether or not to let their son or daughter play and here's the thing I I knew how to tackle man I to this day I've never made a tackle the way they taught me in junior high high school college and the NFL I have never made a perfect tackle like when you're you're your neck is back and you thrust forward. Like, I have never made that tackle. And I have, from junior high to professional, in those 20 years that I've played, I, I probably have a couple thousand tackles, but I've never, never made the perfect tackle. When you're a boy and you're a little young, thuggish, rugged stuff, and you're out with your friends and you wrestle and horseplay and all that other stuff you do, you know how to tackle, man. It's not hard. It's not rocket science. You can get coached up for probably one or two things. You'll be able to make a tackle. So to have all that equipment and all that, eh, you don't need it. It's not, in my opinion, not necessary. Not necessary. Seventh, eighth grade, yeah, I think that's about the the time you should um, you should put the pads on, start playing tackle. Anything before that, eh, it just looks cool. Kids just like the equipment and stuff like that. Check out charlestillman.org because he's got an event at Whirly Ball September 25th from 6 until 10. You go out there, you play, you get your team of five. If you win at Whirly Ball Laser Tag and Bowling, you're going to go and check out the November 11th game against the Lions with Charles in his suite. That is fantastic. charlestillman.org if you want to learn more. How was Canton? Uh, We didn't talk since Canton. We we talked, but we didn't talk on air. So, so I sometimes I ask questions that I know the answer to that the audience, the listener doesn't know the answer because they weren't on our text messages. How many people are listening to your show right now? Um, I mean, it's within the hundreds of thousands. <laughs> okay, I like it. They never should have gave you money, boy. I swear. Ooh, ooh. So how is Canton? It's in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah, I mean we thousands and thousands of dollars. Well, I mean, Dang. if you think think about it this way, our signal is thirty-eight states in Canada, and the Chicago okay. metro area is eight, eight million people, and okay. the score overall does pretty well, and we we have a good percentage of people who listen to the station. So at a at a given time, if we have five percent of the market. You know, we're talking about 300, 400,000 people. So that's the possibility. Okay, okay, okay. So you like Chicago's very own um, Adam Scheffner or, or No, I don't or, I'm not know. I would say I I I got to I got to give props where props is due. Um and this is me reaching across the aisle. I think that Jeff Dickerson from 1000 is kind of that. Um when I okay. was when I was reporting, I was pretty good. Um, and Zach is kind of that when he was doing football, but now Zach does baseball. Did you know that Zach does baseball now? I did. He's 
tough guy. He's doing really well too, man. Yeah, they just got their own network, if I'm not mistaken now, right? Well, it, it'll be launched in a couple of years. You should try and get a show. On for baseball? No, it, it see these networks like they like the Yes Network that the Yankees have. They have like shows. Like it's not just Yankees all the time. Like they have general sports shows where they talk about the Jets and the Giants and everything else and the Knicks. So on the Cubs Network, there might be a place for you. Okay, I was gonna say because man, that's a lot of that's a lot to talk about baseball from from November or yeah, November to March is kind of tough to to discuss like, man, baseball. They don't because y'all they don't do combines. They don't really show the draft. They don't you know. It's, well, the draft is in the middle of the season, so it's a little different. It's in June. Yeah, it just doesn't. Yeah, that's a lot of baseball to talk about. It's a ton, but it, you know it's fun. I'm I'm looking forward to it. It'll be interesting. It's a it'll change the way television is done in the Chicago market for sure. We gonna see, baby. We gonna see. Okay, so let's get back to the question at hand. Oh yeah, sorry. How is Canton? Canton was awesome. Um, had an amazing time, and I didn't think I would have that. I didn't know I would have. I wasn't expecting that much fun. Um, to be back with um, all the players that were there, and I don't know. More importantly, the the love that Fifty Four showed me was not even me. All of us. Like he he said my name in his Hall of Fame speech. I was floored. I, I was. It was like a kid in a candy store. I just, I'm just cheesing, and it was really, um, it was just really powerful. And I, I thought he did a really good job speaking, and really his message. And what I got out of his message was, he wanted to be known as just being a great teammate, not the best in the league. Now I want my guys to know that I was just a good teammate. I was a good leader, and I was there for him, and I called the defense, but. We made him better collectively. We made each other better. You know, I did the forced fumble thing. Mike Brown, arguably the smartest defensive player I've ever played with. And when Brian didn't know anything, Mike, Mike was his eyes. You know, Mike was a field general who knew what was going on. Um, just uh, how Alex was always the, the comedy relief, the comic relief, uh, Spice and Lance. You know, he was Apollo Creed and uh Brian was Rocky Balboa like just just the chemistry that we all had together you know what I'm saying and I think he recognized that and and how close and how tight we were and we're still pretty close and tight I I have to add that but the whole experience um it was it was amazing it was amazing I see it on TV all the time and I watch it but to go there when you, you physically know someone and you're real cool with that person he gets in Best time of the day, we went to the hotel, Brian's hotel, and it was me, Brian, Coach, Coach Babbage, Coach Rivera, Pep came there, uh, uh, Greg Olson was there, Jay Glazer was there, and, you know, everyone's just Alex, Lance, myself. Like, we all just had a good time catching up, talking, and, and then you go out and he says your name in his Hall of Fame speech. Like, what's, what's not the love about the guy? Guaranteed, Brian Erlacher, um, with all his fame and success, he always made you, whether it be myself, a media person, he just made, if you really know him, he made you feel like you were the star. 
he didn't care about the notoriety and all of fame and his name and who he was and his face was on it. Like he didn't care about none of that stuff. And his speech was, oh man, it was dead on. He just was a, was a great teammate. And that's how I will remember him. Most of all, forget all his playing ability. He, nah, he was, he was a great teammate. He was a good dude. And he would always ride with you. I told you he was going to say your name in his speech. Yeah, I got a little teary-eyed, man. The camera caught you, too. See, My throat started burning a little bit. There was a little dust in the air. Just a little bit? It was was a good time. Just a little bit. Well, I was was up in the press box watching. So... Um, oh, big time. I was in the press box. No, I, that's not okay. big time. Big time would have been on the floor. That's this is this is far from being big time. This is small time. What I'm talking about. But I but I you. but I was watching you guys and I was like, man, this is great. Like the fact that everyone kind of came out and I I did my show from the hotel a couple nights okay. that I was there, okay. and so I got to catch up with Bullet, which was a lot of fun. And I was talking to him. He wasn't – I thought that he would be nervous about in, inducting Brian, but he he wasn't. Like, he was totally excited about it and and happy. And seeing all the Hall of Famers there was – it was it was cool. Did you meet David Baker, the guy who runs the Hall of Fame? The big, the big, big guy? Yeah, 6'9", 400 pounds. Scheiser. If you're German, <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, no, That's, and you're I, part German. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, I, I, I speak a little, little Sprechen Sie Deutsch a little bit when I lived over there. Um, no, I didn't know he, I, Fohundo. Ooh, so, Dana. so do you remember the, the, the guy from the Falcons, Sam Baker, the tackle? Yeah. That's his dad. Oh, wow. Okay. And he played like David played basketball growing up. I, I mean, you could, I got into an elevator with him, man. And it was like an eclipse. <laughs> like he walked in, and I was like, "I wow, you are the biggest dude massive I've ever seen." Massive. I'm, I'm sure when he knocks on the door, it's just boom, boom, boom. <laughs> it's not even like a, it's not even like a little knock. So if if I ever get that knock, I'm like, "All right, I know I made it." Why is this the you know the the guy pounding on the door? It sounds like someone's about to raid your damn house. Oh, that's that's yeah. I didn't know he was six nine, four hundred. Six nine, four hundred pounds. I bet you he's a a big gentle giant. He though. is he's a big big teddy bear. He he seems like a really. I had him. I had him on my podcast, and we we talked, and he's really really nice, and he wants to bring the draft to Canton, which I think would be dope. I think it'd be real dope. I'd say another thing, man. I, I met so many. Uh, I met so many Hall of Famers. And I, I think I told you this, but I'll say it publicly. I met Rod Woodson, and I was so I, I did I got nervous. Was like because he said, "Hey, what's up, Tina?" And I was, "Oh snap, Rod Woodson know my name? He he knows me? Okay, okay." And then I wanted to get a picture, but I was like, "Nah, I'm not gonna be that guy. I'm not gonna ask for a picture." So he came back around, and Dwayne Joseph, DJ, assistant general manager for the world champion uh, uh, Philadelphia Eagles was like, no, man, go and get you a picture. So he asked to get the picture for me. So Rob wasn't, you know, he, we, we take the picture. And when you look at this picture, like I'm, my hands are like by my side, like I didn't want to move because I was like, that's Rob Wilson. I don't want to, I don't want to just touch him or put my arm around him. I just, I put my hands by my side. I looked so cheesy. I, I was, oh man, so corny. 
I was so coy. But, but see, that all the Hall of Famers, man. Like I get nervous around. Them. I don't know why. But that's they, how people you know, think about you. When when people no. meet you, that's how it is for them. I'm not a Hall of Famer though. Well, like, those guys are football royalty. So they've done something. They've done a lot of good stuff. They're the the greatest of all time at their position. All those 318 guys. So it's like the ultimate respect. When I when I see them, I'm just like, oh wow. I don't really know what to say because I'm like, man, that's a Hall of Famer right there. Even if I don't know him and I see that gold jacket, I'm like, that's a gold jacket. That is a couple 10,000-plus guys coming to the league, and he's one of 318 guys that wear that gold jacket. That's that's pretty that's pretty rare. It's hard enough to get in the league. What is it, 0.01%? What, is, what are the chances of getting into the Hall of Fame? Somebody give me that stat. I know there's a mathematician, statistician out there. Somebody put that on Twitter. Cause that's that's pretty that's pretty awesome. All those guys, man, all three hundred eighteen of them. So you were awesome there. Guys. You were there to celebrate Brian, and you guys celebrated Brian. You had a great weekend. Did you give yourself, whether it was while you were there, or on the way back, or since you've been back, a, a mental break to think about what it might be like if you get the call? Uh, yeah, it'd be pretty sweet. Um, I think it'd just be, it'd be, it'd be a good family moment, you know, for, for, for my kids, my wife's family, my family, it'd be a pretty cool moment, um, being from Chicago and then just kind of, you know, I, I live here full time. I was born here, Southside, University of Chicago represent, um, uh, yeah, it, it'd be, it'd be real cool if that were to ever happen, you know, but if not, I'm okay with it as well. You know, it, it doesn't make or break me but yeah that'd be cool I, i'd be lying if i didn't say i didn't think about it being there i had a conversation with lovey smith two weeks ago we like made yeah. up it was good um I, heard it. I think i texted you and said you did a good job i listened to that interview it was i pretty it's pretty good i appreciate it and he because he, he said something to you and he goes that was a long time ago i've forgiven you or he said that i What's in the past is in the past. I got a short memory, I believe, is what he said, which isn't yeah, true, but it's fine. Hey, I got a short memory. And it, I mean, I, I, it, I thought it was good. I thought it was actually a really good interview. And he said some really nice things about you. And I think did a great job of making the case for you as a Hall of Famer, talking about how you changed the game. He put you and Devin in the same category. And I think he's right about this that both of you brought something unique to the game that hadn't been there before. And if you're talking about the best to ever do it, Devin is clearly the best kick returner who's ever lived. And you In the history of all time. I, I, yes, you are right. A hundred percent. And you brought something to the game. You changed the way defenders look at defending. And that that's that's no small thing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um like I said, man, I'm I'm very appreciative of, of people saying that about me. Um I don't I don't ask them to say these things, they do it and I'm I'm just very uh appreciative of them showing me love and just them giving me uh the respect and you know, just for my time and all my hard work. So it's really much appreciated from Coach Smith and all the nice things that Brian said. So I'm 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 grateful to, to be around guys like that or to have been around guys like that. Did you make it inside the museum at all? So I've been in there. I've been there before. We played in 05. Oh, that's then, right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've been there in 05. Obviously, there's been a lot of Hall of Famers since 05. Uh, but we got there. I was with A.B. and his, his wife, Carrie, and Jackie. And we we kind of walked in, and we, we looked around for like a hot minute, and then we made our way on the field and just was waiting for Brian to go. It's a great, cool place like with a lot of history to it. And – I didn't know this, and this is what I learned from interviewing David Baker. There is an index of every player. Like every player who's ever played has their like statistics and everything indexed there, and you can ask to have it pulled up. So, you know, I learned that. I wish I would have known that before I went down there because I would have asked him to pull up Doug Buffones because I would have liked to have seen it while I was there, because there's this great picture of Doug and Dick Buckus on the back wall talking about the 60s and, and football in the 60s. But in a way, you're already in the Hall of Fame just because you played the game. That's that's very cool. Why in the hell are you just not telling me this, man? I didn't know. I could have went and looked a bunch of people up. I didn't know. I didn't know until I got back to Chicago. And and I was like, okay, so now I have to make another trip to Canton at some point. And 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 David Baker, I'll, I'll give you his number, man. Like he said, the next time that I go down there, if I want to look up anyone anyone's index up all the history and any materials that they may have collected throughout the years. So like you know, if I'm trying to think of it, like for example, do you have the ball that you intercepted from Calvin Johnson? I mean, from Randy Moss. I do. You have it. Yeah. See, that's something that they might want. No, I have all I have all my uh game balls. I know, but Charles, what I'm saying is that like <laughs> there's already a Devin exhibit in the Hall of Fame. Oh yeah. Which is cool. So like, you know, even even if you're not necessarily named a Hall of Famer, that they can put your stuff in there, which is Right, right, right. I remember when uh when Vash intercepted the, the the field goal and he ran it back a hundred and nine yards. Six yards. Yes, yeah, right. It's 106. 106 so yards. This year and then it got broke the next year. <laughs> so yeah it was 106 yards and they took that ball. No, I I have my first interception, my last interception, the one I, I picked off Moss, uh forced fumbles, fumble recoveries. Yeah, I have all those. I have all those. What's up with you uh, doing a triathlon? Oh, just trying to get some cool points. How how does that even happen? Oh, okay, wait. I I retract that that statement. I know how it happened. You somehow got challenged to do this because I didn't get challenged. I just was. We was pillow talking. I said, well, you know, I do it if you don't want to do it alone. I just, yeah. That, that's literally how it happened. I was just trying to be supportive, trying to get them cool points. How did it feel that's to it. do a triathlon? Terrible, man. <laughs> insane. It was, the whole time I'm thinking, like, this is stupid. This is stupid. This is stupid. For one, I can't swim. But I jump in the water anyway like a big dummy. So I get in the water. Um, I'm struggling. Clearly, I'm struggling. Uh, the bike ride was cool, except my damn gear broke 
was in like first speed the whole way. Oh, so no. Fast. Yeah, it was terrible. So I had to ride six miles on this bike. I threw the damn bike away. I was mad. I was... And then the run. So when you ride the bike and then you get off and you got to run, I'm already bow-legged, okay? So that don't help my running style or form. But when I get off the bike, I look like I'm limping or something because you can't really feel your legs because they're not all the way there. And then after about a mile, you start to feel your legs. And then by that time, the race is over. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm good. The best part about the whole race, though, is Jack and I, we switched bibs. We got them mixed up on accident. So I come running in, and the announcer's like, and Jacqueline Tillman, and time up. You know, they say your time. My dumbass, I look around like, where's she at? I was like, oh, I got her bib, her bid number, whatever. Um, so, and Tillman just crossed the finish line. And then you see all these things, like, heads turn, like, where's Tillman? Where, where, where? That's a lady. That's not Charles Tillman. Charles Tillman. That's Charlisa Tillman. <laughs> yeah. They didn't know. So I might, if I do any more races, man, I might just do that. I might switch the switch numbers. Hey, switch, switch with mine the next time you do a race so I can be fast. I'd like to be fast. I want to be fast too, man. I've I seen Talladega Night. I want to go fast. Yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm almost incapable of going fast. I I got my speed and I'm happy with, but I mean it, it'd be nice to be fast, fast for once. Like Kenyan fast. Yeah, like. Yeah. Sometimes I, I tell you, man. Like I'll see some of these and guys. I'm, I'm like half Nigerian too, man, and I'm I'm not even that fast. That's a different kind of Nigerian. I want to be that fast. I love watching the marathon because you sit there and try to figure out like how fast people are going per mile, and. I saw something in Sports Illustrated. They did the faces in the crowd thing where they were talking about it was a high schooler in the south suburbs here that ran a 5K in 14 minutes and 38 seconds. Mm, Moving. Right. And I'm just sitting there going, I'm like, okay, how far could I get if I just gunned it? Like if I just blew it out for 14 and a half minutes and the Mm. most that I could run in that, amount of time would be about two miles and then I would die. That's still pretty good though. Two miles. Yeah, but I mean I mean that that is maximum effort for me for 14 minutes and then I'm the you're forgetting the part where I die at the end of it. Yeah, but you got insurance though, so <laughs> your old lady gonna be she gonna be taken care of. <laughs> She'll be straight. She'll be like She'll go be out there straight. running at two miles. Yeah. I'm going to be an AZ when you pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm getting out of the Windy City. <laughs> bye bye, CPS. I'm going to AZ, baby. Yeah, she'll she'll be she'll be in uh Costa Rica. She won't she will yeah. she will be out somewhere where there is some water and sunshine all the time. That's what she'll be doing. I fuego all day long. <laughs> no, that's right. No, that is right. What did you think about the Hall of Fame, though? Let me, let me interview you. What did you think about the Hall of Fame? How was that experience for you? It was great. I was – when I covered the game that you guys played there, and I, it was like my second year covering the team, so I was still kind of like 
oh, I got to make sure that I'm paying attention to what goes on in a training camp game. And, you know, the preseason is what matters and how are things going to look? And uh, I didn't appreciate it. So this time I was determined that I was going to appreciate going to the Hall of Fame. So I did everything that I could, everything that they they allowed us to do as members of the press who were covering it. Like I wanted to see the process. I wanted to see the museum. And, you know, they they allowed the press to kind of have some special privileges with not waiting in line. Um, I wanted to know what the city was about a little bit. It's changed. When you guys played there, I remember parking like across the street from the stadium and there was a big hill and you could sit on the hill and look over yeah. and they've, they've changed that now where they've like a high school stadium though, wasn't it? Yeah. It, 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 yeah. I want to say they had a college. I think that all three hash marks were on the field when so you guys played. Confusing. Oh my goodness. So yeah. Confusing. Really confusing stuff. But I wanted to to take it all in. And what was crazy is that obviously all the hotels in Canton were filled up. That same weekend, there was a PGA event. Tiger Woods was playing in Akron. So all the hotels in Akron were filled up. So I had to stay in Cleveland and drive down. Oh, I thought you said, did you sleep in your car? No, no. You could have just came in. Shacked up with me and the wife. You could just slept on the couch. No, no, no. I had work to do, and it wasn't that bad. It's only, it's like basically the distance between Chicago and Naperville. Oh, that ain't bad. Yeah, it was less than I, – I'll tell, tell you how short the ride from Canton to Cleveland is. I saw Brian's speech, and then I saw Brian Dawkins' speech, and then I left. When I got back to Cleveland, Ray Ray was still talking. Oh, okay. <laughs> you mean Ray Ray was preaching. He really was. They moved the it. He was preaching. He wasn't talking. He was preaching. I almost gave damn $20 for the collection plate after he got done. He was, I, I thought I was up in church. He sweat through his gold jacket, Charles. That's a lot of sweat. <laughs> I, knew, lot of sweat. I knew everyone was in trouble when they moved the podium. I was like, oh, no. Ray about to go to work. He really did. Do you ever ever think that sometimes when Ray talks, after, like, you've been his teammate for, I don't know, 10-plus years, you ever think Ray was like, all right, Ray, come on now. I heard the speech for 15 years now. Come on now. Let's let's go. Let's let's get on the field. Like, Ray always fired up. I mean, that, that right there is talent itself. In itself, for Ray Lewis to be fired up all the time like that, that is like, now that is some serious talent. 5 a.m., midnight, whatever. You've got to be, you know, just like the little squirrel dance that he do. Like, that's that's some serious talent. I thought about what you were saying because I kept looking, I kept running into Jonathan Ogden, who is also one of the largest human beings I've ever seen. Massive individual. I played golf with him one time. I sat on a bus with him. And Barry Sanders in L.A. at the ESPYs golf tournament, which I won, by the way. I have my own ESPYs. I'm just throwing it out there. Really? And I do, yeah. I didn't know you were that good of a golfer. Shoot, neither did I. Um, Yeah, I'm like young young Dark Tiger Woods over here. I'm (laughs) killing it, man. Killing it right now. Panther Woods. That's what you call you, Panther Woods. Yeah, I'm a Panther Woods. But no, Jonathan Ogden and um, um, Barry Sanders, or excuse me, 
Hall of Fame Jonathan Ogden and Hall of Fame Barry Sanders. Like, we just sat on a bus, the back of the bus, and just, like, just told crazy stories. Funny football stories. I shouldn't say crazy stories. But just, like, just, I'm like, man, I'm sitting here with Barry Sanders and Jonathan Ogden, and we just kicking it right now. Like, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Like, I don't know, again, man, I get around those Hall of Famers, and I don't know what to say. I just be like, okay, uh, what am I going to say so I don't say nothing stupid? Just don't say nothing stupid, dummy. Is there anyone that you didn't meet that you would have liked to have met? Uh, no, because I went, I actually went on stage and I saw Big Pace and he was like, Tina, what's up? He dabbed me up, he shook my hand, whatever, you know, always good to see him and his wife. And then Willie Willie Rowe, he 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 said, Pino, what's what's up, man? And I I looked like, oh man, that's Willie. Okay, he okay. He dabbed me up, shook my hand, like I was like, I didn't I didn't know he knew my name. Okay, this is pretty cool. Hall of Famer knew my name. I don't know, just I like I said, I, I get all I get all goofy and childish and and shy and speechless all at the same time. Or where Alex is just, he don't care. Alex is just like, hey, hey, man, hey, say, man, hey, 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 man, I'm, hey, I'm from Florida. Hey, man, let me, let me get that autograph, man. <laughs> All right, man. I love watching you play when I was a kid back in White Springs, Florida. You know, that's, that's Alex Brown. He's just so freaking loud. He's very loud. He just, country is country can be. He put the capital C in country. He's very proud of that. Oh, he, he is. He loves being from Florida, and he anyone who's he from loves, Florida. He loves picking eggs and drinking whale water and, like, all right, man, more, more, more power to you, but I, I'd rather just have the city water. And, you know, I, I don't mind getting my eggs from the stove. But I do have chickens, though. I got chickens on my land, so I, I eat nothing but fresh eggs all the time. Really? Yes, sir. So yes, I live sir. in this city, and I have a na- like two houses down from me. The neighbor has chickens. Do you get the eggs? Well, she offered it, and here's why: because it, this happened what maybe two years ago that I discovered that they had chickens. Because I opened my back door, and the chicken was there, and I was like, oh, yeah. "Why is this chicken here?" And then I was like, "How did this chicken get here?" And how does city chickens apparently know how to pick locks? So, so, so this this chicken made it from two houses down, had to jump two fences to get into my backyard, and then climbed okay. up the stairs of my back door. Okay, that and, ain't the chicken from Moana because that chicken was dumb. Yeah, you this seen Moana. I have. That's, that's, that's a yeah. That's a smart chicken. You should have put him on your plate. No, I've, I've, well, had he come back, there would have been a problem. But I I said to the owner, I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, should I try to, then I'd be like Rocky out there, like chasing the chicken around the yard. Like, I'm not built for that. So I I, took that chicken to Harold. (laughs) Well, Harold's is, is right down the street, right down the street. Hey, Harold, look at here, man. Look at here. Um, let me get that two piece, and I'll let you get the other, the other one, the other half of it. <laughs> you can have the rest of the chicken. I just yeah, want just, the two wings the and a wing with mild sauce. Yeah, you can you can have a rest. Just so anyway, we totally got off track. What was I talking about? I was talking about 
what going to the Hall of Fame and also ADD kicked in. I'm supposed to be interviewing you. Yeah, well, that's fine, which is great because I can throw that on the podcast and that would be perfect. But I had yeah. I had a wonderful time. Like, and I, you know, I got a chance to. Are you breaking up with me? No. What are you talking about? Okay. I thought you were kicking me off your show. I'm no, no, up. we got. Look, I like I said, I got enough material for the show and the podcast. Now I'm good. Oh, okay. Yeah, me too. You can keep, keep talking. Going. But but I okay. I literally ran into Brian before the game, like I was on the sideline doing some stuff, and I interviewed Roberto Garza, and I was walking, and I like walked into Brian. I was like, "What's up, big time?" And he was happy to see me, and he dapped me up, and we talked a little bit, and I was like, "Are you tired of all this yet?" And he was like, "Yeah, kind of." <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's a lot to do in those three four days because you're on your feet and you're going and you're speaking and you're signing. It's a lot. All right, so what other questions you want to throw my way? I'm available. How much longer do you think you're going to – do you think that you're going to be in the media? Huh. Like reporting and TV and, you know, all that, all that good stuff. It's funny because when I was young, like when I was first starting out, like I had in my mind like what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like I, I kept – it, when I was in college and I was thinking about doing this, I said, I'll, I'll be a sports center anchor by the time I was 27. Like, that was right. the goal. And then when I started working at the score, I was like, you know, I, I like covering the teams that I grew up watching. And as much as I enjoy, like, national stuff, and I like doing national stuff now occasionally, there's something about being in Chicago and being of Chicago that yeah. is special. Like, I – I don't know. I don't know if it's like that for New Yorkers or people from Los Angeles or Detroit or Miami, but I, I do know that there's there's always been something that has kind of tethered me here. Um, so I don't know. Like, the podcast thing is kind of fun, and I never really thought about myself running a media company, but I guess that's kind of what I'm doing now with, with, with the podcast. So... It used to be you could have a five- or ten-year plan. I think those days are over. I think that now you can only look at it as a two-year plan maximum because the industry is going to change drastically. The technology is so good. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know if I'll spend my whole career in media because I know that I have aspirations outside of it. I, I thought about running for alderman. I'm still kind of thinking about running for alderman of the 20th ward. I don't and, think I can vote for you because I don't live in the city. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, but you could campaign for me. I could do that. You know, you could you could give me your endorsement. I actually think that would work well in the 20th ward. Okay. 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 And, and and I know that I want to teach at some point full time, but it's not like <laughs> I couldn't teach and also you know do the the post game show with Lance and and Alex and Matt. Like I could do that still on Sundays. I I could study enough to be in the know, but yeah, it's. I thought that it would be something I would do forever, and now I'm not sure if I'd do it forever at the same level. But there are still probably ways that I could do it on a smaller level that would be satisfying. Okay. Now, now we're gonna get real serious. Okay. So, since you've got into the game of the media or you stepped into the game of being a reporter journalist how has it changed for african-americans well 
there's more of us. I'd be lying to you if I said that when I used to be in – and still, honestly, when I'm in baseball clubhouses, I don't see a lot of black faces covering mm-hmm. – um, there, there's a couple guys, my guy, Gene and, and, and Tom from, from the bigs, like they do a great job. Uh, Terrence Tomlin, like they do a great job of covering and they do it in a different way. So I think that there are more of us because there's more opportunities, but I still think that there could be more, um, black journalists in, 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 in different areas. I think that there are probably, I'm, 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 I'm just giving you an estimate from my career, I see a lot of black journalists in covering the NBA. I'd like to see more covering Major League Baseball and more covering hockey. But yeah, I I've always wondered why I looked at national shows for the longest time and it would be here are a bunch of black athletes and then here is a white anchor. Like that was always kind of the formula. Now Kurt Menefee at Fox kind of changes up that formula because he's been on the desk for forever now on NFL on Fox. But it's always like, okay, well, like here's the cool white dude like Ernie Johnson on TNT and TBS, and then like here are the black athletes. So I really like that NBC Sports Chicago put me in a position where I could be the moderator, that people that there's some kid who's watching that goes, oh, it's possible for me to be – the moderator of a panel with athletes on it and that I don't have to necessarily be an athlete or an ex-athlete to talk about sports, if that makes any sense. No, complete, complete. I like that. I like that. All right, now we're going to switch gears. Okay. Tell me what you think about uh, Serena Williams and the call, you know, that whole thing. Okay. I felt that the chair umpire – should have shown some discretion when it came to her getting after him a little bit. The coaching thing, look, he saw it, he called it out. The racket thing, there's nothing you can do there. I think that that he should have given her more leeway in letting her express herself because of who she is, number one, and the stage that that was on, uh, I felt really bad for uh, Miss Osaka um, because it felt as if her moment was being taken away from her. She didn't even look like she could really enjoy winning the U.S. Open. And you know, the thing I said was that check gonna cash. That that three million that you yeah. won, that check is gonna cash. And I'm sure that when she cashes the check, she'll smile. But that being her first major. I, I felt horrible for her because it, there's a, she she played her ass off and she was rocking Serena for for most of that match she was rocking right. her and and then it just kind of all turned sideways and I just felt like there there could have been more understanding from the chair umpire and and if he he does a better job of understanding the situation and we've seen it in other sports you know there there are umpires that know to let a baseball player have their say in certain situations and and doesn't take it personally. Uh, yeah, he could have shown a little bit more restraint. Yeah, a, basketball referees do it all. Basketball referees, I think, are probably the best at it, although last year they started to just call technicals whenever they want it. But mm-hmm. they, they let guys have their say, and then they go, okay, that's enough. 
Like, I get your point. That That's enough. And I don't think that he did that. I don't think he controlled the situation or I, I think he let it snowball and he let let it become more emotional than it needed to be. And in doing so, it it I don't want to say tarnished because it still was a really incredible match. It just it, it didn't feel as good for everyone. Like had Osaka won that without any of the controversy, it would have been such a beautiful story. It would have been like a, a torch passing moment because it's clear that Serena has affection for her. And, yeah. and it, it, I mean, that was clear from the hug that they had after the match was over, the way that she handled the the crowd. You want to know the power of Serena Williams, Charles? There's that power because she told yeah. them that's enough of the damn booing. And they were like, yes, ma'am. OK. <laughs> yeah. They stopped right away. So that's how I felt about it. I thought that it could have been headed off by just being a little bit more level headed. Yeah, I, I I agree. Uh, more than anything, he should have showed a little bit more restraint. She's the goat, man. Like I love watching her play. I I I think she is one of the greatest athletes ever. Like, oh, agreed. She's up there. She's up there, like top top three of all time. Yeah. Like she she has to be her longevity and. Her ability to be so good for so freaking long. Yeah, and then about her. almost dying, having a baby, coming back, and you find yourself in championship finals? Like, that's ridiculous. That's unheard of. That is unfreaking heard of. Yep. She's got my vote. Top well, three ever. Is there anything else you want to ask me? Male or female. Uh, are there any Lawrence Holmes running around here? When are we going to get a Lawrence Holmes Jr.? I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know if it's in the cards. I, I don't. I, I, I need to see a little, a little light-skinned baby with, with glasses. <laughs> yeah, well, you definitely have glasses because I can't see and neither can Mel. So. <laughs> <laughs> and she can barely hear, too. She's basically like the character in Creed. Like, that's basically her. Like... <laughs> Y'all, um, yeah, maybe y'all don't need to have no kids. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> probably he or she would probably be a good baseball player, though. Yeah. And I, 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 I was really happy with myself. I was very satisfied when I went to White Sox a couple weeks ago, and I was able to still throw. And I know that I can still hit a little bit. I can't hit for power, but I can still hit a little bit. Man, I, I love the game. I don't know if I ever told you. My my grandfather played in the Negro League. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, for Chattanooga, I if, if, at my house I have his gloves. I have them uh, mounted, like put in a glass case and mounted. Um, and I I wanted to keep it original. Like I didn't have them clean. Like they still got the old dirt on it from back oh, in the forties. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's 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 a fun legacy. Like I got my first glove when I was four, yeah. and I just started playing. And I I just love, I love the game. What's crazy though. And it speaks to to uh, your talks about journalism and and covering sports. I prefer covering football. Okay. I I I much rather cover football, and I feel like I have a better rapport with football players than any other group of athletes. And I know that that has something to do with the fact that I covered the game for a long time. But mm-hmm. I'm more comfortable. You can drop me in any NFL locker room in the country. And I'm comfortable. 
I am less comfortable in any other locker room situation. See, I, I thought you would have loved to cover, or you preferred to cover baseball. That's why. That's why. I said that. Baseball's a grind, man. Like I, I've been doing some of the pregame stuff when Zach, when uh, Pat has something to do, and Zach moves to do play by play. It's a yeah. lot, man. You got to be at the ballpark. Oh my goodness! So like, if there's a seven o'clock game, you got to be at the ballpark at like three, and then you don't get out of there until like eleven thirty, twelve o'clock. And you do that day after day. Like, that's – I love the the football schedule. Like, you know Tuesday is going to be an off day. The players are going to be out doing charitable work. You don't have to go to Hallis Hall that day. You know that right. your, your day is going to be like four or five hours at the facility, and then you can go home and do the rest of your work the or the work that you need to get done. I do dig basketball. I really – I like doing play-by-play for basketball. Basketball is great because it's got a roof – and it's got a clock. So the games are never really going to be any longer than about two hours. So that's great. So you like clocks. You don't like to work all day. Well, You're at, my kind of person. At, at, this, like at this point, I mean, you know, I've, <laughs> I've put in all the extra hours and stuff. I did, I did my 10,000 hours, Charles. Mm, okay, okay. Okay. You're 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 an outlier. <laughs> you are an outlier. Education, you read. I'm trying. I'm out here reading every day. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. The last book I read was uh, Brian Stevenson. It is called something Justice. Uh, really good book. I read I've read two two books that have him in it, and it talks about. Our judicial system, and in, in particularly in Alabama, how um, their judicial system is messed up. Basically, two guys were on death row, and this attorney, uh, he is, his name is Brian Stevenson. He gets them off of death row. Just death Mercy row. is that the name of the book? Just Mercy is the one he wrote, and then there's another one. Uh, the sh- the sun does shine. I believe that's what it's called. Anthony Ray Hinton wrote that one. The Sun Does Shine by Anthony Ray Hinton. He was locked up for 25, 30 years. He was on death row. And he never committed a crime. And I think the state of Alabama wrongfully convicted him. And they ultimately ended up dropping all the charges. And he never got a phone call, an email, a letter, a text, a tweet, a fax, nothing, a handshake, anything verbal. Nothing. They were just like, yeah, whatever. It's kind of, I mean, it's it's a really it's a really good book. Crazy story, but good book. I always wonder in a situation like that, it's terrifying to to think of spending time in jail for a crime that you didn't commit. How do you go about like rebuilding your life after that? Well, you hear him talk about, you know, um, so essentially, they, he 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 goes to prison. They didn't have the ballistics for a gun. They didn't have the right uh, expert witness for him. They didn't give him any money for his public defender. He gets out. But when he gets out, he's, you know, he was at work when he got arrested. He was at work when this crime was committed. He was at the place where he was supposed to be. He was at his job with other people to be eyewitnesses to where he was at. None of that mattered. He still went to prison. So when he got out, he learned his lesson. You know, he didn't know about credit cards. He didn't know about, you know, 
they, they, there's a, a short story where he talks about he they get out and they go to uh, a restaurant and him and his best friend, his best friend gave the woman a card, he pays for it, and then he walks away. And then Anthony's like, oh, my God, I didn't pay for my food. But they're going to take me to jail. I'm going to go back to prison. And he was like, hey, 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 calm down. I paid for it. I paid for it. And he's like, well, how did you pay for it? You didn't give him no money. He was like, I know. I paid with my credit card. He's like, what the hell is that? You know, he just, there's so many things that he just didn't know about. And, you know, he's in the car and they're driving home. And he goes, I heard this white lady say, turn left. And I look behind me and I'm like, where the hell is that noise coming from? I look in the back seat and there's no one there. And the next thing you know, he hears his voice again and it says, turn right. And he's like, who the hell's talking in the car? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's the GPS. So he has to deal with all the new technology, credit cards, GPS. Yeah, man, that's that's one hell of an adjustment to, to adjust to. It's, it's crazy. I keep thinking every time I drive down the Dan Ryan, you know, my, my grandmother didn't live too far off the Dan Ryan, and she was on like 89th and normal. And yeah. I keep thinking, like, what? What things right now, and she passed away in 99, like what things now could I show her that would amaze her? Like what Like what would be the most amazing thing that I, that's, that's kind of how I feel like, well, first I would have to kind of explain to her the internet because I mean, it was around, like email was around, the, the early days of the internet were around before she passed away, but mm-hmm. I would have to explain the internet to her. And then explain to her, oh, yeah, this this phone allows me to, to call people. I can send text messages to people. I can also surf the Internet for information or pictures or sound bites or whatever. And, and I, I wonder, it makes me go from the past to the future and what types of things my nieces and nephews will be able to say, you know, 40, 50 years from now and go, Man, Uncle Lawrence would have really thought this was fascinating now that we are walking oh, yeah. around on Mars. That's going to be us in like another 30 years. And I'm like, man, how the heck, what the, how do you, what did you, how do you do that? Hey, 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 son, son, show me how you do that, that, that boy. Or my grandkids are going to be showing me like, hey, 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 Pops, here's how you do this. I know you're old, but this is, this, you know, whatever millennial or XYZ millennial, whatever generation that'll be. They'll be showing us what to do. They'll be like Generation Space or something like that. Something <laughs> crazy. I mean, change these generations anyway. Well, the, usually they they there's academics who put labels on it, and you know, there are some questions about that, about when a generation starts versus when a generation ends, that sort of thing. Are we, are we academics? Uh, I mean, you have more schooling at this point than I do, so. Do you consider yourself an academic? Mm, I don't know. Have you written Have you read, written any academic papers? I mean, I did to get my master's degree. So, I mean, well, you, you nothing, could... Nothing got published. Okay, so you haven't been published. Well, I mean, I, I did write a little story in uh, Player's Tribune. You also... A letter to myself. Charles, you have books. I mean, I did write a book. Yeah. I I mean, I I think that there's some it would be a very easy leap to say that you are an academic. And isn't that a great thing to be? What the hell? I'm an academic, everybody. Yeah. From this point on, I'm an academic. What the hey? I want you to walk around with like a monocle now. (laughs) 
Okay, I'm not an academic. I don't know what that word means. <laughs> no, like the little, the, the single eyeglass. Like, I want you to. Oh, well, <laughs> that's what that's called? I yes. That's the Monopoly, the Monopoly guy. Glasses. Yeah, or like that's, Mr. That's Mr. Peanut. Mr. Peanut, yeah. What is it called, a monocle? Yeah, a monocle. I never heard of that. See, I can't be an academic. You're using these big words that I don't know. I, I just have a lot of weird things jumbling around in my head. That's all. I'm 37 years old, and I've never known what that. I've never heard that word in a day in my life. A monocle. I just like you know the glasses that the guy from Mr. Monopoly, the guy from Mr. Peanut. Get That's yourself a monocle and then walk around and be fancy. You know what I, I, I did? What I'm really thinking about doing? I got to get a pipe. I'm not gonna put any tobacco in it, but I just got to get a pipe because it looks. It, I just. I'm gonna just get a pipe. My dad I'm not smoking used any, I'm not smoking anything, but I'm literally I'm just going to get a pipe and just walk around in it like like Popeye or somebody. My my dad used to walk around with a pipe like all the time. Like Yeah, next time you see me, I'm I'm going to have a pipe. Ain't going to be nothing in it. It's going to be soup, clean, empty, but yeah, I'm, I'm I might have some sunflower seeds in it. That would be weird. I know, but I could always, if I need a quick seat or something, I could just get it right there. But what you could do is, like, it can be empty, and you could just chew on it. Like, someone asks you a question, you go, hmm, and then just chew on the pipe. Yeah, that's that's the move. Is I'm that, an academic now, so I got to I gotta get some glasses. You know, I don't need glasses, but everyone wears glasses because they don't need them. That's, like, the new a thing now, so. Well, I, I need mine. And a, I got to get a gla- some glasses or a monocle and a pipe. And at some point, I'm gonna need like bifocals. I, I'm I'm learning that too. My wife is very blind. She can't see. Hmm. Not at all. <laughs> we'll be driving at nighttime. I'm like, yeah, babe, make that left. Where I don't see it. <laughs> yeah, I, you, you can't stop the car. Get out. Let me let me let me drive. Will she not wear glasses? She doesn't like to wear them. I don't think she likes to wear them, but she needs to wear them at nighttime because everything is like the lights are very blurry to her. Oh, she's got a. She might not even need bifocals, man. She just might need some regular glasses. It happens to all of us. They say that if your eyes don't start failing when you get to be around 40, just wait because it's getting ready to happen. Now, you seem to be one of those guys that has like pilot, like eyesight. Like, are you are you like a 2010 guy? Yes. Yeah. Whatever the best is, I'm one better than that. Yeah, that's, that's see, that's rare. Like, you need that to be a pilot. Like, that's like the dividing line for being a fighter pilot. So, I've been thinking about getting my pilot's license. Here we How go. How cool would that be? How cool would that be? Right? That... I don't know if I want to fly a helicopter or if I just want to get uh my 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 just regular pilot's license and just start from there have you seen the latest mission impossible i have i have so by the way all of that helicopter stuff tom cruise did he learned how to fly it he he is a a he's got three different pilot licenses i believe and he's a long time like helicopter pilot and so he he likes to do his own stunts, and he did all that crazy helicopter stuff. Yeah, I, I would do that. I could see myself doing that. I could I see you flying that. a jet. Yeah, I mean, I've tried to fly a helicopter before. It's very difficult, but I like the challenge. Yeah, well, yeah, 
No shit. You like a challenge? I'm going to try. I'm going to try to fly a helicopter. It's next on my agenda. Fly a helicopter. Or get a pilot's license. Get the Yeah, learn how to fly a helicopter, learn how to fly a jet. I will tell you what I'm doing next year, though. It's pretty, it's pretty badass. Can you me tell and, me? Me and, my, me and my buddy, we're, uh, we're going to row a boat. We're going to get in a rowboat. We're going to row from St. Joseph, Michigan, all the way to, uh, to like North Beach in a rowboat. How long is that? I don't know. It's pretty long. It's like 40 miles, right? Yeah. It might be something longer than that. But, yeah, we're going to, get, we're going to do it in a rowboat. Jeez. That's, that seems crazy. Yep, I know, right? <laughs> I, Charles, it's all for charity, though. It's all for charity. I know. Here's my thing with you. I think that you should turn this into a television show. Like, all of it. I think there should be a Charles Challenge television show. That'd be awesome. Like, because ESPN is letting uh, Marty Smith do all this crazy stuff. Why not let you do that crazy stuff? Oh, yeah, I could do that. And then they could pay you for it and insure you for it. That might not be a bad idea. Yeah, just make me an executive producer. You can do that. Because I'm like, I have like a company now. It's small, though, but I have ideas. Apple Apple started out small. That's right. Google started out small. That's right. And I got ideas. I got ideas for Lance, too. I keep telling Lance that he needs to do, like, sports stuff in town. Like, he should be doing crazy sports stuff. Like, he becomes a member of the White Sox grounds crew for a day. What's that like? He should uh, be one of the people that cleans the ice of the Blackhawks game. What's that like? I think it would be great to see him in those weird positions. Would you, you think he'd be a good lovable no, I don't. Although he does like to dance. He does. He's a very thick thick dancer. <laughs> <laughs> he he was telling me about I guess something happened overseas where he wouldn't they wouldn't let him in a club or something and he was like pantomiming like how he was dancing. So Yeah, Boogie's a good man. All right, so are you talked out now? Are you talked out? Um, I don't know. My kids aren't calling me for nothing. I think they're cleaning the kitchen, so I probably got a little bit more time left. All right. I just want to make sure you said everything you wanted to say. Yeah, I did. You guys come out, support a great child. Let me rewind. (laughs) Take two. Take two. Action. You guys come out, support a great cause. The Charleston McCornerstone Foundation will be hosting a Worldly Ball event, September 25th. Um, if you want more information, go to charlesfullman.org. We're going to be playing Worldly Ball. There's going to be laser tag. And there's going to be bowling. And the top five or will be a, a, a team of five. And those whoever wins out of the top three events, whoever gets the most points, the five people will go to a game with me in a suite versus the Lions. So y'all go to charlesfullman.org. To get that information. Yeah, that was better the second time than the first time. That was I good. Well, Charles, thank you. That was that was great. Thank you, sir. Have a good night, sir. I'll talk to you soon. The the radio version 
will run on Friday before I do my segment with Lance. And this will be next week's podcast, too. So you're going to get double the opportunity to get people out to the event. Boom. There you go. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. All right, man. Later. Later. So did you enjoy that or did you enjoy that? I'm going to try to get Charles to come and sit down with me for a House of L podcast taping because, as he would say, his ADD is amazing. So he is one of the people that I enjoy talking to the most about a litany of things. And you could tell by where the interview went. And now he he beat my call. He beat my wife. No, that sounds terrible. He beat my wife to the punch of being able to interview me because she wanted to be the first person to flip the pot around and interview me. And Charles, you heard there, like in the last few minutes, like he became the interviewer, which I think is kind of a cool. I've seen him do some, he did some stuff with NBC Sports Chicago. If Charles ever wants to get back into media, he would he would be great. Even without the braids, he would be really great. So thanks to him. Thanks to uh, Melly Cafe, of course, for sponsoring us. We appreciate them. Get to the email section here. Three great locations for Melly Cafe, Grand and Wells. Jackson and Halston and Greektown or Congress and Dearborn. This email, you can email the podcast at houseoflpodcast at gmail.com. This is from Charles who says, man, I really dug the Michael Kim interview and really appreciate the, the short sports podcast. I don't get to listen to the station much and now I prefer the podcast. It's like the mixtape version of you and that's a good thing. Keep up the good work and love that the Wolves are on board. Well, thank you, Charles. I love that the Wolves are on board, too. I wanted to experiment with the the Bears pods, and so far the feedback has been pretty good. And I thank you for supporting those podcasts. I'm trying to get them out as quickly as possible, and it's the first two games are just driving me insane because they're night games. I mean, I'm, I'm getting home at midnight or so from doing the show, and then I'm trying, like, I'm tiptoeing around the house because I don't want to wake White Panther up. And I'm, I'm kind of talking like that. Well, I'm not talking like that, but you know. I, I can't go, like, full throat the way that I would like to because I don't want to wake her up. And I didn't want to come to the studio and and do it. So it'll be nice to have a noon game to to do that with this weekend where – I can get the podcast out on Sunday night, and I'm looking forward to listeners being uh, down with it and checking it out. You know, after you can listen to the scores post game, then you can hear my thoughts on it. That's fine. I don't have any problem with that whatsoever. But thank you very much for the email, Charles. And I'm I'm glad that people like the Michael Kim interview. It's a little bit different perspective, and that's why I really like doing this because of all the people I know in the business that have a different perspective than mine, and. I think that it's good to hear some of that stuff, what other people go through. Everyone's got a story, and hearing Michael's story is is both uh, frustrating and encouraging because he didn't have a lot of um, role models when he was growing up, and he's become that now for, I think, two generations of sportscasters. And don't tell him I said that because that would probably mean that he's old. And I'll also tell you this. 
that because of that, the, the question that he asked me about representation and whether or not I had representation when I was younger will be next week's podcast. I got Jim Rose to come in here and sit down with me for 20 minutes. It's short, but it, I was listening back to it. It's pretty good. Some good Jordan stories. So that'll be next week on House of L. This from, I want to make sure I got this right. Joshua, J-O-S-U-E. Huh. I hope that it's Joshua. I hope I'm getting that right. And and not Hosea. I, I, I hope I'm getting this right. Love the show. Question. The show could be seen as the same vein as what you already do in radio. Has there been any static from the higher-ups about sticking to strictly interviews and not doing sports talk format on podcast? No. They've been really good about it. And here's the thing. I There have been a lot of days where I haven't been able to get on the air after a Bears game. This is not going to be a a recurring theme. Like I'm not going to I'm not going to keep really doing the sports aru that often. I uh, I think because of my background with the Bears, it makes sense to do a Bears pod, but once football season is over, I it's going to be rare that I do some of the special. The Khalil Mack thing like it was a Saturday. I I didn't have a show. Like I needed to get on. Same thing with Kopech. Like I had like a 10-minute show or whatever it was. Like th- those were things that needed to be done. But no, there hasn't been any grief about it from the higher-ups. They let me use the studios if I want. I'm recording in the score studio now. They've been really supportive of the project because they know that that when I get on the air, I'm going to bring it. And it works the same way. Like I, I usually say on the Bears podcast that you can hear my thoughts later on on the score. So it works as a vehicle for them to be able to to get some promotion out of it, and it works out well for me. But I do appreciate the question. It's a great question because a lot of places would not allow me to do that. This question from Robert, and it's, of course, right immediately a sports question. Um, Lawrence, Bears Super Bowl window is open now. Need competent, steady quarterback play. At what point does the locker room say, we need more from the quarterback position. We can't do this all. The defense. That's from Bob. Bob, thank you for the question. I don't think that anyone is going to turn on Mitchell Trubisky. And if I've already seen it too much, I've already seen too many people talking about Chase Daniel and should be. At this point, Mitchell Trubisky has thrown as many NFL passes as Chase has. So you trade it up. To get Mitchell Trubisky, you're going to give him every opportunity to succeed, as they should. So I won't hear any more about Chase Daniel, for real, for real. The defense is Super Bowl worthy. I I believe that. If they stay healthy, I think that they they have a chance to be a Super Bowl-ready type team. But thank you for the question. It was very nice of you to send it. If you want to send questions, houseoflpodcast at gmail.com. That'll wrap things up. I'm going to get out of here. You've already listened for over an hour. You're ready for me to be done. I want to thank you for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, Melly Cafe and the Chicago Wolves. Go to chicagowolves.com. Get yourself some tickets. It's going to be a good time out there this year. They celebrate their 25th anniversary. 
There will be another Bears podcast. If you're listening to this as it drops on Thursday, there'll be another Bears one after their game against Arizona. I'll have some thoughts on that for you Sunday night. Hopefully I'm not overdoing it and you guys aren't getting sick of me with these two-a-week two podcasts, but I'm glad that you're listening. I, I truly, truly am. Thanks for listening today. I'll see you on Sunday.